With everything going on in the financial markets right now, I would like to take you back to the basics of investing and tell you about the main asset classes that exist and how they're different and what it means for you. Stay tuned. This is Thrive 1110 with Bold Care A of Bold Care Financial, guiding you toward business success and bringing clarity to personal finance. This is Thrive 1110. I wanted to come back to the basics of investing in this show, uh, which could actually easily be many, many shows. But I, I want to just start with this episode and we'll see if we need to, to make other episodes. It is important because... Um, the way you understand how assets, different asset classes work and how they are taxed and what they are, simply what they are, it'll inform you on, on, on your actual taxation, um, how you get taxed on your investments. And it'll help you, as you understand the basics of it, have better conversations with your financial advisors and with the other people you're talking with when it comes to your investments. Um, the other thing is... Having a basic understanding of that can help you, especially if you are a, um, a do-it-yourself type of person. It'll help you create investment strategies uh, that are better suited to you or that help you hedge your risks when it comes um, to investing. So for many reasons, it's important to go back to the basics. Even if this subject is really of no interest to you, just coming back to the basics of understanding what um, are the main asset classes and how they work, uh, it'll really help you navigate better in the world of investments and have better conversations with your financial advisors. I promise it won't be something hardcore and I won't bore you with numbers and these types of things. I'll just explain concepts to you regarding what these main asset classes are so that you are equipped. So without further ado, let's dive into our Let's Get Practical section. Bold. Let's get practical. The first asset class, which is uh, cash simply cash. Um, so it's cash that you have um, that you maybe keep in a savings account at your financial institution. That cash gives you some interest rates, uh, generally not high, uh, but in exchange um, for having like a low type of interest rate, low type of yield on your cash, you have the security of knowing that your cash is uh, quote unquote protected. Uh, simply because the financial institution guarantees that you'll never come one day and find that uh, whatever you invested is is lower, like that the capital, the principal you invested is has has lost value. You'll never come one day and find that. And um, even if the financial institution was to go bankrupt or disappear, uh, you have a protection from the government of Canada, up to $100,000 of cash inside a financial institution. So if you have uh, several hundred thousand dollars uh, spread across different financial institutions, it means you have a 100K uh, guarantee for each financial institution. So that is cash. So literally, there is no risk per se that you'll lose your money because it's guaranteed. But in exchange, the type of return that you're getting on that type of investment is very low. Actually, it is generally lower than inflation. 
which means, yes, on paper, you're never losing money. It's guaranteed. You invested 100K. The 100K would still be there and you'd be collecting a little bit of interest over that. But in reality, especially if the interest rate you're collecting is lower than the inflation rate, which is currently high in Canada or across the world right now, in, real, in reality, you're losing bu buying power simply because the, the stuff that you could buy the previous year, you, couldn't, you can no longer afford them uh, the following years simply because uh, the cost of living rises at a faster pace than your, uh, than your investments, than your cash. So that's why practically you're losing money, even if your money is guaranteed and, um, and uh, you are seeing the same numbers in your bank account whenever you go check that out. So that's the first asset class. It's cash. Generally, what you get are interest rates. And sometimes um, these cash savings or cash investments, if we can call it that way, come in the form of GICs. And those GICs are the types of stuff that you lock in your investment for a year or two or three or five, etc. in exchange for a greater interest rate. Well, those things uh, generally still have the same problem is that they offer you returns that are lower than the inflation rate. And that makes it so that you are losing buying power year after year because your investments are not growing at the pace of inflation, at the pace of the cost of living. So that's cash. And uh, one thing that you want to note here is regarding these interest rates that you get for the cash that you are investing. These interest rates, how they are taxed, they are 100% taxed, meaning if you get $100 of, of return for your investment, that $100 is fully taxable. So that is included in its entirety in your income and taxed as such. Obviously, if your money is within an RRSP or a TFSA, that doesn't apply because RSPs and TFSAs um, allow you to grow your money inside these accounts without having to worry about tax while the money is still in the accounts. And uh, in the case of TFSA, even when you take money out, it is not taxed. Uh, but I'm not going into the differences between TFSAs and RSPs right now because these I would consider them as vehicles to invest in. Uh, we can talk about them in, in inside another episode, but I just wanted to go back to the basics and tell you about these asset classes. The first of uh, which being cash. Now, if we move to a second asset class, um, I'm going to name it, not that I'm naming it, but it's called bonds, okay? It's called bonds, or sometimes you'll hear fixed income, fixed income uh, assets, uh, fixed income asset class. Generally, these are referred to as bonds. And what is a bond? A bond is simply like you are lending money to another party. That's what a bond is. And as part of the deal, you're lending money and uh, you're getting the promise by whoever is that other party borrowing money from you. Um, so that other party is promising to repay you whatever you, you, you lent them plus interests. And those interests um, can be paid, let's say, um, 
twice a year or yearly. And then in the end, they return to you uh, whatever outstanding interest they owe you plus whatever you invested uh, from the start. So that's generally how bonds work. Now, these other parties to, to whom you, you lend money, they are generally institutions like the government or corporations like company, like private companies. And um, that's simply how bonds work. So when you buy a bond, when you invest in a bond, uh, theoretically, your money goes as um, as um, as if you're lending money to that third party, as simple as that. So really, what happens with bonds is that the security or the solidity of your investment depends on the credibility of the person or the institution or the corporation borrowing the money or issuing the bond, if I can put it that way. So, for example, if you buy bonds from the government of Canada, the government of Canada is borrowing money from you. That's how it works. And they uh, are promising you to pay interests on the money they've borrowed and to give you back your money after a certain time. So it could be uh, three-year, five-year, 10-year, 20-year, etc. And uh, and that's how bonds work. So very simple. And uh, you want to deal with credible uh, borrowers. So governments, um, solid corporations. And obviously, the more you're taking risks, meaning the less credible the borrower is or the less solid the borrower is normally, the higher you get rewarded for the risk you're taking, lending them money. So normally when the borrower is less credible or if you are borrowing money, meaning buying bonds from governments that are not governments from the top developed countries, Typically, your returns should be higher, uh, provided they actually uh, follow through on their promises and pay you the interests and pay you your money back. So that's generally how it works. And uh, bonds, therefore, have this um, advantage of of being income producing because you get some interest rates, uh, some interests paid to you at regular intervals uh, with your money pretty pretty much secured, especially if you're dealing with uh, solid borrowers like governments or uh, our high-grade uh, corporations. Uh, it, it offers this advantage of giving you some relative stability and some income. That's why it's called fixed income assets as well. Now, those, um, those um, payment, interest payments that you get, uh, in terms of taxations are again fully taxable. Like in the, like it is the case for cash. If you are receiving fixed income payments and those payments are strictly the interest payments. I don't want to get into too, too deep, too much details here because you can structure fixed income payments in a various, in various, uh, <laughs> various ways to minimize your tax. But traditionally or in a very simple way, you get the payments and, uh, and those payments are the interest that you're supposed to collect from the borrower. So it is taxable in its entirety if you're holding them outside TFSA, outside RSP. Uh, so if you are receiving, let's say, a hundred bucks payments per year for your bonds, well, that hundred bucks is to be fully included in your income and uh, and taxed as such. 
So that's bonds. Now, the third asset class that I want to talk about is um, stocks. Uh, stocks work in a very, very different way because you're not lending money as it is the case for bonds and you're not kind of saving money as it is the case for cash. Uh, you are actually entering the world of business as an owner. Yeah, that's, that's simply what it is. So when you invest in stocks, what you're doing is that you are buying a portion of a company. So you become an owner of a company when you invest in stocks, that asset class that is called stock. And you will hear the term equity. Generally, it's the same thing. It means the same thing. So there's a company, company ABC, that sells um, sells their stock, meaning they're offering ownership, part ownership of their company to anybody who wants to invest. And if you buy those stocks, those shares, you, you get a portion, you, you get a share of the company and you become an owner. What that simply means is that when that company does well, that company in which you have stock, when that company does well, performs well, and everything goes well, well, its value increases. Its perceived value also increases. And if you bought a share, if you bought in, let's say, at 100 bucks, and over time, the value of that company grows, maybe the shares at that time are worth now 150 bucks instead of 100. Um, now, that means if you were to sell your share, if you were to sell your ownership at that point, the piece that you own at that point, you'd be selling it at 150. Because you bought it at 100 and the company did well and you're selling it at 150, you had a gain. And that gain is the 50. 150 minus 100. Very simple. That gain is 50. And it's called capital gain. And the way capital gains are taxed in the current Canadian law is that with this example where your capital gain is $50, half of it is to be included in your income for tax purposes. So $25 would be included in your income and taxed. So right away, you can see that there's a better tax treatment for um, capital gain versus interest rates that you get for bonds and interest rates that you get for GICs or savings that you make in a financial institution. So stocks in that sense are better rewarded in terms of tax treatment in Canada because you get capital gains and capital gains are taxed in a favorable way in the sense where only half of those gains are included in your income for tax purposes. So that's what happens with stocks. Now, you can also get what is called dividends from the company. Because when you buy stocks, you become an owner, a part owner of that company. When that company does well and the company pays its taxes and there's money left, the company can decide that they are distributing the profits back to its owners. And because you are an owner, 
meaning you own stock in this company, you have stock in this company, you own shares, you are entitled to receive dividends. So dividends really are distributions of after-tax profits that a company makes, distributions back to the owners of the company. So your stock can pay you back in terms of dividends, meaning even if you don't sell your stock, even if you don't sell your share in order to have money because you need money, you have some companies that actually will distribute their profits back to you in the form of dividends while you maintain ownership of the company. And dividends are treated in a very, it is not a as straightforward as interest rates or capital gains. Uh, there is a calculation, there's a relatively simple calculations that must be done in order to determine how you'll be taxed with that dividend that you receive. But I don't want to bore you with that. I just want to say that it is a better tax treatment than the interest rates. It is a better tax treatment than the interest rate. So it would be somewhere in the middle between the interest rates that you get from your bonds or from your savings, GICs, and the capital gain that you get from your stock sale, from your share sales. Your dividends would be treated, um, meaning the tax treatment of your dividend would be kind of in the middle there in terms of uh, uh, favorable. So it's not as hard as the interest rates that you're getting with your fixed income slash meaning bonds or with your cash, but it is not as favorable as what you get when you sell some shares and get capital gains. So that's what happens with stocks. Again, uh, we started with cash. I told you what that is. I told you how that is treated, like, what the how the interest rates that you get are treated in terms of tax. We talked about fixed income or bonds and what that is, how it is treated in terms of uh, taxation. Talked about stocks. And uh, one thing that you want to be aware of when you invest in stocks is that the risk that you're taking is simply the risk that the business will not go as well. So because you become an owner, if the business doesn't do good, somewhere, somehow, the value of your investment is decreasing. So I took the example of you bought, uh, you bought in, you became an owner by buying a share at $100. Now the company did well, things are growing, and now the share is valued as, at 150 So if you sell at that point, you made money. But the other thing can happen where the company doesn't do as well, or maybe the company is doing well, but generally in the world or in the sector where this company is operating, things are not doing as well and the company is losing its share value. So now, instead of being 100, maybe you are sitting at 50. So that is a pretty severe uh, uh, loss of value for a company, but it is just for the example. Instead of 100 that you invested, now the company's value for a new share, it's, it, it's, it's valued at $50 a share. So if you sell at that point, it means you're losing. On paper, the value has decreased, but as long as you don't sell, you're still okay. 
in the hopes that maybe one day the company would turn this around and uh, the value would go back up and go past the hundred thousand that you have invested, the hundred that you have invested. So with stocks, you have to be aware that the value of the company can go up and the value of the company which you own can also go down and uh, that you don't have much control on that. As a matter of fact, the company can even be doing very well financially but be caught into global economic uh, circumstances um, that make it so that its value go up or go down, depending on what's going on. So that's the risk that you face with stocks in general. Now, I'll talk about precious metals. Let's go with that other asset class, precious metals. The most known ones, obviously, gold and silver. So precious metals, just as its name suggests, like it is metals that are rare. So therefore, there's an element of scarcity, especially when we talk about gold. And uh, because they are precious and have been known to have value or maintain value, whatever you want, for, for, for uh, thousands of years, it is considered as an asset class and sometimes as a safe haven. When things are troubled, economic situations are really not looking good, people generally will tend to find refuge in these precious metals because it's hard assets instead of a stock. For example, it is a hard asset. You know that you have this piece of metal and you buy that, you hold that at your home or somewhere securely um, securely held. So these are precious metals. Obviously, you don't control the value of precious metals. So you invest in that. And uh, depending on what's going on in the world, the value goes up, the value goes down, there's volatility. Just as for stocks, you don't have control over that. And that's your main risk. Now, in terms of, um, in terms of um, tax treatment, uh, what happens is that this is, this is yours. This is actually yours. So uh, depending on where you hold your precious metal, the tax treatment can differ. How it is held, the tax treatment can differ. Again, if you're holding your investments inside a TFSA or inside an RSP, you don't have to worry about anything like taxation because while the money is inside those accounts, it can grow without being taxed. In the case of the RSP, when you take money out, it is taxed. In the case of the TFSA, when even when you take money out, it is not taxed, generally speaking. But when you hold your investments, uh, cash, fixed income or bonds, stock, precious metals, inside those investment vehicles, you don't have to worry about the taxes as long as it is in, as it is in there. So precious metals, one asset class. Now, let's talk about the other asset class that everybody knows about, that everybody talks about, that everybody tend to uh, run to that as soon as they can is real estate. So real estate is another asset class, like physical real estate. By the way, let me backtrack a bit talking about precious metals because I didn't mention that. You can have the precious metals like physically, like, like I said, but there are also ways for you to have access to these precious metals, um, just like you would have access to stocks. 
So you could invest in companies that actually are in the precious metals sector, etc. So at that point, it becomes too complicated to share on a radio show like this. But I just wanted to let you know that precious metals are uh, uh, a specific asset class. Now, real estate, you can obviously go ahead and buy a home, buy a rental property, buy commercial real estate, it's asset class. And within that real estate asset class, you have these subdivisions, like, like I just mentioned, commercial, uh, uh, multi-residential, et cetera, et cetera. And you can own that physically, or you can own that like you'd own them um, inside a company, like you'd buy a stock. So you'd buy a portion of a company that invests in real estate. So again, the taxation here can be a bit tricky because it depends on what type of income you derive from your real estate investment. Obviously, if it is rental income, the rental income um, is subject, so you can deduct certain expenses from the rental income and then uh, whatever is left in terms of income, you add that to your revenue for tax purposes. But if you're not deriving rental income and you're keeping it and you're reselling it at one point, uh, we fall into the case of capital gain, just like I mentioned earlier for stocks. So you bought a real estate property for 100000 It's worth 150000 when you sell it. Your capital gain is 50000 Same principle, only half of that is taxable, meaning 25000 would be included in your income for tax purposes. So... The other asset class that I want to talk about is um, crypto. So uh, you hear the term cryptocurrency, crypto token, etc. But crypto are another asset class. And in the world of crypto, you have a whole bunch of things happening that I can't get into right now. It'll take too much time and uh, it could be too complicated to explain right, right now. But suffice it to know that crypto is an asset class altogether. And right now, the taxation of crypto, again, uh, uh, is really varying depending on where you are and, uh, and, and, and how you're using the crypto. Because some people use crypto, like lend, buy crypto, then, then lend their crypto to get some revenue. And some others buy and sell. So depending on what you do with the crypto that you have, the taxation will be different. And I don't want to get into these details again. Uh, the subject is too broad. So let me quickly recap before we go towards the end of the episode today. So back to the basics of investing. It's important that you know what um, the main asset classes are. And you have cash. You have fixed income or bonds, you have stocks, you have precious metals, you have real estate, you have crypto. You also have, on a side note, commodities like uh, wheat, like foodstuff, wheat, corn, etc. So these, even oil, these are um, a different asset class, it's commodities. Now, because we're going towards the end of this show, we might do a part two of this where I build upon these basic things that I just shared. But for now, you can take this insight, this knowledge that you just gained and try to make sense of what you have. When you are investing in a fund, like a mutual fund or what is called an ETF, chances are you are invested in a combination of these asset classes. 
So you probably are invested in a combination of these asset classes in your mutual fund or in your ETF. And that's a form of diversification. So you're diversifying your assets, your investments based on asset classes. It's one way of diversifying. But we're running out of time today and I'm going to say you can do it. It's in your hands. We'll support you. So take courage and do it. I know you can do it. This has been my pleasure to talk to you about this subject of back to the basics of investing. As I told to you in a previous episode, we are going to transition into more and more stories um, as we continue in this season two of Thrive 1110. But if you have questions about the about today's show, go to thrive1110.ca and send me comments from there so I can answer your questions. You've been listening to Thrive 1110. See you next week. This is Bold Kere, your host. When honest people prosper, the whole city celebrates. Thrive 1110. To learn more or to connect with Bold, go to thrive1110.ca.